Welcome to the See You Next Summer podcast. I am your host, Billy Pollahan, and with me, as always, is the Jimmy Olsen to my Clark Kent, Mr. Raul Rodriguez. And today, we're joined by a very special guest. Hello. Also, hi, Billy. Um, I'm hoping that I'm not an FBI agent yet, or I will get killed. I don't know. (laughs) Sorry, I have a hard time introducing myself. I guess I should... (laughs) get into that um mm-hmm. my name is gwen um i have a youtube channel um by my full name gwendolyn j stone uh i i do video essays and stuff but you know these guys i love these guys and they want to be bringing want to bring me onto this podcast so yeah let's go ahead and get into it and what are we talking about today it's a good question we are actually capping off Zack snyder month with Man of Steel. I've been waiting for this one for a very long time because if anybody that knows anything about me will know that I am a huge, huge Superman fan. And this is the movie that helped reignite that passion. And I'm really excited to talk about it. And what's your guys' relationship with the movie before we actually do the entire recap? Well, um... You know, my uh, relationship with the movie, I guess, I guess I, I should start off that I've always liked Superman. You know, I've always liked him. I wouldn't say that he was like in my top 10 favorite superheroes or anything before this movie. Um, I, I actually was someone that was pretty excited to see Superman Returns whenever it was coming out. And uh, had a mixed response to it when I originally saw the movie. Don't really like it anymore for various reasons I'm not going to get into. But, you know, I, I really like the animated stuff. And then this movie came around the corner. I'd seen some of Zack Snyder's stuff before that you know Sucker Punch uh, Legend of the Guardians had seen those and was kind of curious as like why this guy of all people was making a Superman movie that was something that was kind of peculiar to me like really the guy that made 300 but and anyway I got around to finally seeing the movie opening weekend on my birthday and it blew my mind absolutely loved it pretty much changed my perception of uh the character almost entirely made me and not because they ruined the character or anything that some people are going to say not going to get into that but it really took in new layers of the mythology that other iterations of you know superman films just hadn't even dared to get into at that point so that's all I'm going to say is like the, the movie really did change my perspective on what Superman was. And I really, really love this movie. And like for me, um, I almost am a Superman fan. I'm not like hardcore like Billy. I didn't read a lot of comics because especially like they came in like a little strips in the paper in Mexico. But I did grow up watching the Donner movies. I only my mother only showed me the first two. I saw Parcel 4 when I was, like, 15. <laughs> and then Superman Returns is, like, the first movie I ever saw in IMAX. And I remember, like, they show you, like, the little logo says, this is a 3D 3D scene, and you need to put on your glasses, and then you took it off. And I, I like Superman Returns a lot. 
And then when Man of Steel, I remember that only saw that trailer when you see um when you see Harry Cavill just walking through the snow and you see just the cape and says from Christopher Nolan, Man of Steel next year. And I'm like, who? <laughs> and so when I got to see it the first time, I it's a movie that I love a lot of it. The only thing that I didn't like, and that was my first opinion, I didn't like Harry Cavill as much the first time I saw it in theaters as Superman, but I like everything around him. Like, I like the story, the characterization. I like the uh, everything that we saw on, on Krypton. I like the villain. And I also like the 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 ending, the controversial ending, because I understand the point of why that happened. And like the second time I went to see it, I went with my grandfather because my grandfather, he yes. grew up reading the comics since like the 40s. And so my grandfather, rest in peace, I, he died last year. And he said, I was like, a, Superman would never do that. And I explained to him in Spanish, I was like, maybe it's because of the we're going to get to that scene. But I told him, I was like, maybe it's because he will never try to Sab will never be stopped. And so he's like, he understands it, but he still was a little mad, like a lot of people. But he still enjoyed the movie. Oh, for sure. And my relationship mm -hmm. with Superman, before we start, um, I don't mean to cut you guys off, but um, really quickly, I just remember mm -hmm. there was the image of Superman on um, the bank vault. That was the first indication that or that was the first official release that I saw. And then I saw a photo of like the, the teaser poster where he's looking down and it's in the dark. And then you just see this big S on it. And I just went, is this a Superman movie? Yeah. It's like an Alex Ross. Yeah. The Alex Ross painting. And then I know exactly where I was when I saw the first teaser, both versions of it, because there's one with Russell Crowe and one with Kevin Costner, where it's these, images from them they actually all make an appearance in the movie which is great and it felt like a terrence malick movie for some reason and it was playing a score from lord <laughs> of the rings you know right after gandalf falls down the pit with uh, the balrog and then you see superman breaking the sound barrier and i just went holy shit this is gonna be awesome and then every trailer just hyped me up more and more and i saw it with some friends of mine and upon the first re uh first watch none of us really liked it. I had a very mixed feeling about it because I had heard mixed things and some stuff I absolutely hated because oh. much like your grandpa, Raul, I I grew up reading Superman. I know the character inside and out. I have a tattoo of uh, the Superman symbol. And, um, you know, it's, it's it's a character I'm very passionate oh. about. So we have, we have a lot of feelings. And yeah, um... What were you going to say, Gwen, before I so rudely interrupted you? I'm trying to work on that. Oh, no, no, no. I, I've actually kind of forgotten already. But um, if it's uh, talking about the, the, the controversial ending, we'll get into that once we break down the movie. But, yeah, I remember seeing that in the theater, and it was actually one thing that made me go, oh, damn. That they, they actually just did this right now. Uh, I I didn't think they'd have the balls to do that, but they they actually they they went through with it, and I was the only one that actually liked it. <laughs> like I I remember like the people I was watching the movie with. Um, one of my closest friends, I watched it with him, and then 
you know, some family members and they're just like, really like this, all of this. And then that at the end, like why it like they, they weren't really getting it. I was like, it's because of this. And I, again, I'm not going to get into exactly what happened, but it's just like, I feel like I was the only one who came out of that theater loving the movie from the get go. Like, cause I could hear everyone else in the background too. Like just being like, mm, no, it's not that good. And like, I just came out of me like, Oh my God, this is like the best movie of the year for me. And that was before I saw prisoners because prisoners came out the same year. I absolutely love that. But you know, before I saw that, like man of steel was like my favorite movie of 2013. So nice, nice. All right. So start with the recap so it starts literally with the birth of quote unquote christ or kal-el in this instance and it's raul has stated before that it's a reverse uh, immaculate conception you want to explain what that means yeah because like um in the bible um the birth of jesus was immaculate so it's kind of like a reverse immaculation because they, Kyle gives some exposition that he was the first natural burn, uh, born uh, Kryptonian in centuries. So technically, you think about it, especially with all of the Jesus allegories, and I'm like, so technically, it's kind of like a reverse immaculation. Which makes him the Antichrist. Like he went through. <laughs> All right, and then we cut to this big console room, and we have Jor-El in this movie, played by Russell Crowe, perfectly cast. And there's something about his cadences and his deep but very calm voice. You know, mm-hmm. for a guy that mm-hmm. tends to... He, ha- he has a bit of a reputation for being a little rough around the edges, but in here you feel... Oh, just a little. <laughs> um, calm and inviting but um will kick your ass if he needs to and i think of the people mm-hmm. that were rumored that were up for the role it was russell crowe sean penn and clive owen i think that russell crowe is the best choice out of all of them by a long shot oh yeah absolutely um like i think our, i don't remember which one of you said like uh, clive owen what a been a good choice too but at the end of the day like russell crowe they made the best choice they could have especially considering the backstory between russell crowe and henry cavill because russell crowe was actually the one to keep henry cavill going like um basically inspired him to keep pursuing acting and i think what he told henry cavill was that they treat you like shit, but they pay you pretty good. <laughs> and like, that was like his whole thing to Henry Cavill and Henry remembered that. So whenever they were finally working together again on man of steel, like, um, he went up to him and was like, do I, do I know you? And Henry's like, yeah, yeah. I, I was that kid that you met that one time at, said that they treat you like shit, but you pay you good. So like, that's, that's like the whole story behind that. So it's actually perfect for more than one reason. Yeah. It's like poetry. It rhymes. So 
basically what very cool very <laughs> yeah, very that cool. an awesome story and i knew about yeah that's a good graham, graham norton the best talk show host come at me and so what Jorel then proceeds to do is he gives an exposition dump of you know krypton is doomed because they harvested the core they exhausted all their natural resources which you you look at this place and yeah it's very um it's very sci-fi very star wars-esque like on the it does look like a planet on the brink of collapse Mm -hmm. and they they were like well what what were you gonna have us do and he just goes look to the stars We, we colonized planets but then as he's explaining everything to the council members one of them played by death from supernatural raul yes a coup starts to happen and this is where we get introduced to our villain general zod played by the always fantastic and angry michael shannon the only other <laughs> actor that was up for this role or in serious consideration was vico mortensen so that would have been a very interesting take but yeah and makes sense considering that Zack snyder is a huge fan of the lord of the rings trilogy it's true, he is. And so General Zod is the military leader of Krypton. He's he's the head military general, and he thinks that the council is ineffective and is leading Krypton, Krypton to ruin, so he wants to directly take it over. And it's very much a Julius Caesar sort of figure, mm-hmm. literally down to his haircut. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Not subtle at all. <laughs> oh, but don't you know that Zack Snyder is the master of subtlety? Mm-hmm. If I was Jorel, I would have convinced that guy from Supernatural with some deep dish pizza, like in season five, episode nineteen. <laughs> yeah. So, and I am the reverse of Captain America. I did not understand that reference. It's a Supernatural <laughs> reference. Yeah, um, we're never going to cover Supernatural, by the way. It's just, it's it's too long of a show. It's on for we can do random episodes. It was 15 seasons. We can do our favorites, Billy. We don't have to do the whole thing. Uh, that's true. <laughs> so yes, Zod is taking over and he asks Jor-El to be part of this coup because he does value mm-hmm. Jor-El's intellect. And Jor-El in the comics was and in this movie he's the head scientist of krypton so he's very smart and he knows that something is gonna happen it's gonna be bad and zod and him even by this one conversation you can tell that these two have a lot of history together just look in their eyes and jor-el says i will admire the man i will honor the man you once were zod not this monster monster that you have become and so zod is just like lock him up and then Jorel escapes being a badass and we see this incredible yeah. shot of Krypton being like in battle because we see Zod's military fighting the Kryptonian forces and it's the shot that they use in the trailer with Russell Crowe um, looking over the destruction and he flies um, over Krypton to this one what's called a Genesis chamber um, which is a pod where Kryptonians are born because they're um, artificially made, like the Matrix, where they all have a specific fun- function to do, 
So Zod was born as a military leader, so that's his function and that's his purpose. And Kal-El is the first Kryptonian in centuries to be born naturally and not have a predetermined role and is essentially born with free will to do whatever he wants. Also, Billy, so that chamber is kind of like the Kingdom Garden from Steven Universe. So Steven Universe is also a Superman. Oh, my God. Huh. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that in there somehow. <laughs> also, especially the thing that destroys Metropolis, it looks like the injector from the Spinel from the Steven Universe movie, too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, yeah. <laughs> They might have gotten the idea for like the Steven Universe might have gotten the idea from that. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, what were we talking about? Um, again? So the Matrix babies. Um, <laughs> what's called the Codex, which is mm-hmm. this genetic template that determines um, the all of Krypton's roles. Mm-hmm. And it has all their history, their DNA, and it's just this skull that's fed mm-hmm. into this incubator chamber. And so Jor-El takes it. Yeah, and um, there's a lot of mythology behind this. Like, I mean, I don't really know what the mythology is. I don't think they've been totally open about it. But you can tell, like, there's so much history in Krypton just from the Codex alone. Because it's like this ancient skull with all these you know, hieroglyphs and scribblings. And it's just really, really interesting to just speculate on like how this came to be, you know, so. Yeah. And you mentioned um, before, before we started recording that um, you, you watched a lot of the behind the scenes and they created a whole different language. They had, um, yes, yes. Like, um, they actually hired, uh, two like language specialists two two female language specialists to, I don't remember their names, but you know, it's in the BD live documentary, not something you really hear anymore, but they were talking about like how the philosophy of Krypton is like, there's no straight lines and that it's, become essentially a very selfish culture over the years but it used to be a much more altruistic culture than it is now um and their selfishness has basically driven them into the ground essentially um literally into the ground like um before we uh get to the codex we see like the landscape of krypton and the surface of the planet has basically just been turned into wormwood. Like there, there's so many, um, you know, line, like just people just burrowing into the earth of the planet, um, to just take up natural resources, pretty much, pretty much to the point where, um, the surface of the planet, is just like thin layers you know, just spread across and the entire surface has been calcified um, to the point to where the animal life has gotten pretty scarce and they have to actually um, fight for 
even the smallest bit of survival, essentially. And also in their language, it, it kind of plays a little bit like um, Japanese and Egyptian hieroglyphics a little bit. Um, it, it's, it's really, really fascinating to really get into all of that. But, you know, I, I just really like how they, they went out of their way to craft this entirely new language. And also, Zack Snyder, before he was talked out of it, was initially going to have these characters speak in that Kryptonian language for the entire prologue of the film. Yeah, I remember that they... Uh, Russell Crowe's talked about how there was a scene where he was talking in Kryptonian. I can only imagine just how cool that was. And that brings up a point yeah. where the first 30 minutes of this movie and this two and a half hour movie is in Krypton. You spend quite a bit of time on Krypton. You don't even really notice it. Like it just flies right by. But they pack yeah. so much. Yeah, it, it flies by. And like what from what they're wearing to their architecture, all of it feels very much organic and lived in and it's so cool to see this in a take of superman where originally you think of just nothing but crystals and white outfits from the donner movies which works and all but this is really something oh yeah yeah it works really cool and special and then you even see the size of the baby shuttle it's really technologically it's this huge huge ship it's not this um this disco ball chandelier looking thing that is just floating through space it's an actual spaceship the giant symbol of the house of l on it the the superman s it's enormous and that takes it back to the original superman like the big s where the middle of it is just this big big chunk of the crest yeah it's it's really cool yeah and and also another small detail is um like if you notice they still have they, they still took inspiration from those older uh you know superman stories and everything where krypton is basically comprised of you know minerals and crystals and all that they they still implemented that into this movie in some form it's just it's just that the minerals and uh everything that comprise the planet look more um you know lead like or like obsidian and all these other things and uh, forgive me i'm not a scientist so i don't really know just the tiny tiny little details but essentially if you notice like in the fight scenes with with the kryptonian armor whenever it smacks up against each other and everything notice it doesn't sound like metal it sounds like bones uh smacking up against each other and that's because the sound design took into account that the uh, Kryptonian uh, metals and stuff like that, they, they have basically the structure of bone marrow, but the density of lead. So that's why 
the the armor and the weapons whenever it clanks up against each other it sounds more like bones than it does metal so that's just a small little detail that's really impressive i think yeah and then what follows this is Jorel comes in and they're going to they're going to send cal to another world obviously if you know superman you know the you know the basic story. It's the same as Batman. Even people that don't read comics probably know, but then afterwards you just... Um, you hear Lara, she doesn't want to let go of her newborn baby son, and she just says to Jorel, she goes, we're never going to see him walk. He's never going to know our faces. He's never going to hear our voices and all that, and he just goes, "We, you know, we have to do this, and she goes he'll be an outcast they'll kill him and he goes how he'll be a god to them and it's a chance it's a literal hope that the people of krypton can live on in this child so they send him up mm-hmm. and zod knows that jor-el stole the, stole the codex so he goes to his home and is trying to get jor-el to bring it back because he knows without the Codex that Krypton can't really um, f- survive, I guess. Also exists? Kind of like is the foundation of the whole planet? Yes, basically. And there's a cool detail with, you know, what they're wearing is this sort of medieval chainmail looking undergarment, which is like underwear, but they can add all these armor or decorative uh, metal uh, accessories onto it like the console krypton they have all these crazy headgear stuff that reminds me of mesopotamian uh yeah. um, aztec inspired things and then you get jor-el with all this armor and it's so cool and then there's actually a criticism where general zod is the epitome of the military type and jor-el is supposed to be the scientist but Jor-El in this fight beats Zod. Sorry, that's my dog. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll edit that out. And Zod is like, what have you done with the Codex? And he just goes, oh, we put it with our son for Krypton's first natural birth in centuries. Zod's outraged. Heresy! Destroy it! <laughs> It's much better whenever you hear Michael. Yeah, the ship takes off. and I will find him! Because, <laughs> of course, it's going to be like Star Wars in some way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but during this, Jor-El gets stabbed by Zod. And he doesn't, he oddly doesn't make any noise. He just looks at him like, oh, wow, this is happening. Even Zod's face is just like, I can't believe I did this for like a brief moment. Yeah, like all the sound leaves, like all the sound leaves the, the scene for a few seconds before, before uh, you know, Jorel mm-hmm. just falls to the ground and all of his armor just crashes and everything. Like, I really do like that touch, like how the sound just leaves for just a quick moment where where both of them realize what's just happened because Mm -hmm. these two used to be 
I, I kind of have a feeling like they were almost brothers in a way before everything went bad in Krypton. And so mm-hmm. you could almost, almost interpret this in, as a little bit of a Cain and Abel situation, just throwing that in because there's a lot of biblical allegories mm-hmm. throughout this movie. <laughs> Or like in Supernatural between the Archangel Michael and Lucifer. Yeah. Too. That was in Supernatural reference to season five. Another season five reference. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the, the biblical allegories are, have always been a part of the character because when you really think about it, Superman is just Moses with aliens. Or he's a, he's a very Christ-like figure. Yeah, even Grant Morrison where... acknowledged that. Like, they yeah, acknowledge that Super- it's very obvious yeah like and a lot of people talk about like oh superman thinks that superman is jesus i'm just like uh have you read all-star superman like that is the most jesus allegory that i have ever seen superman be <laughs> mm. it was made by two jewish kids from uh brooklyn yeah like come on of course it would mm-hmm. be it would have um elements of christ in it um and like for me i never noticed the christ allegories until i saw men of steel like for throughout my childhood i never noticed the christ allegories in superman until i saw men of steel yeah so zod gets his coup is put down and he gets sentenced to i mean i noted this 300 cycles of the in the phantom zone probably a reference uh, to systematic reconditioning yes systematic reconditioning so essentially they are they're putting him in timeout <laughs> is the is the layman's turn of putting it and they put him in there's no way to go around this these penis shaped ships <laughs> that, that bring him into it's really cool looking um interpretation of the phantom zone because Again, I think of the Richard Donner uh, Phantom Zone where it, they're put into a small mirror square yeah. and cast off into space. Because I grew up with the Donner movies. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that was my introduction to Superman. So it's just very interesting to see these different takes. And my introduction. Yeah, that's when we get the I will find him. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. My introduction to Superman was actually the uh, Justice League animated series. Um, like not not super friends justice league like the justice league justice league animated series um but uh yeah and i don't think this is officially confirmed but i i remember someone talking about it um that that the very sexual organ like designs of these uh ships that go off into the phantom zone that feels intentional like they're basically saying that because the krypton has given up on natural birth and basically they're using their planet's own resources to create new life so essentially the planet has basically become a reproductive system itself and in a way so like you have these ships going off in the phantom zone being shaped like dicks and then you have um 
the the phantom zone itself kind of having a little bit of a vagina situation going on. Oh my gosh, um, you guys can't see this, but Raul and I are just laughing our hands. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sack. Oh, it's, it's intentional. It has to be intentional. It cannot be like something that's just an oversight. It has to be like a like a situation with like how you know they design the xenomorph to have a penis head so you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. for sure so then we get the destruction of krypton and it's actually kind of heartbreaking because hans zimmer's music and score it's one of the best i've ever heard in any movie ever and that's not hyperbole Hmm. i don't often use that phrase but yes hans zimmer for me can do no wrong (laughs) i always grew up on his work as well most notably the lion king which oddly enough is the only movie he's ever won an oscar for and he's done Mm. a lot of movies if you look up his filmography just you should know who han zimmer is you definitely have heard him before oh yeah especially if you like christopher nolan movies Mm -hmm. yeah he's uh you know, I, I, I've always liked Hans Zimmer's stuff. And, you know, I I have a friend who thinks that Hans Zimmer hasn't been good since, like, the 90s or early 2000s, which I very highly disagree with, especially, you know, since mm-hmm. whatever he told me that, I was like, have you listened to Man of... Because I don't think he's seen Man of Steel. And I'm just like... Have mm. you listened to the Man of Steel score? It's easily like one of the best scores for like a mainstream movie I have ever heard in my life. It is a brilliant, majestic, just beautiful score that that, that kind of just captures, I want to say, every emotion imaginable because one minute like it's it's filled with just wonder and spectacle the next minute it's just dread and despair and all these different emotions just come together in one score and it's it's a masterpiece it really is a masterpiece of a of a original score so that's my opinion on that (laughs) yeah and then after all this the ship crash lands, but then we get a transition to a fishing boat, which is named the Debbie Sue, who I think is named after Zack Snyder's wife and producer of this movie, Deborah Snyder. Yep. I, I feel like that's intentional. He Zack Snyder always does things. Nothing is a coincidence. And then we see our lead for the movie, Henry Cavill, with a beard, and he's basically he he's playing Deadliest Catch and He's the he's the drifter, you know. He doesn't know yeah. where places in the world, and then we get a call like, "Oh, these oil rig workers! It's they caught fire." And if you've seen Deepwater Horizon, you know exactly how bad and tricky that gets. Yeah, and speaking of which, it's a very very smart editing choice because I've heard people talk about like, "Oh, the editing in this movie is so bad." No, this is a brilliant editing choice because. And the Krypton opening, they're talking about how, you know, 
depleting their natural resources is what's ultimately destroyed the planet. It caused it to implode, um, basically becoming a neutron star. And they end up cutting from that entire prologue directly to Superman saving these people from the oil rig. And uh, that way, is because it's drawing parallels. To... Go ahead. It is your podcast. Oh, I was just going to say. Um... Oh, no, it's, uh, it's okay. I could, I could listen to you forever. But uh, I was actually going to bring Raul into this because, yes, Raul is still here. And, um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I was going to bring up the fact that oh, yeah, know, I'm here. Superman actually saves people in this movie. That's one of the criticisms that oh Superman doesn't save people. Oh yes, the Battle of Metropolis where all this shit gets wrecked and everything, and the oil rig scene right away shows he hears somebody's in trouble. He drops everything he's doing and he goes, ends up shirtless and uh, you know very sweaty. Very sweaty. Very ripped. A very sweaty, well. hairy a, Superman. It's a triangle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he saves the oil Damn. workers. Yeah. Really hot. And I wanted to give your guys' thoughts on that criticism. Um, Raul, go ahead. Um, I. That's the thing that I. That's the thing because this is what's like, especially in the Battle of Metropolis, we're going to get there, but. Going a little ahead, this was technically Superman's, like, big, big first, like, mission. Like, saving Sad and going around the world and all of those things. He didn't have the privilege as Christopher Reeves, like, the time travel thing. He didn't knew that trick of, like, going around and just hopping into different places. So, he does the thing. He's a superhero, but he not cannot save everyone. And that's the thing. He saved a lot of people still because... He still saved a lot of people. And so, especially in the old rig, and he also in Metropolis and also in Smallville, he saved people from the IHOP, from the Sears. He didn't save the people from the 7-Eleven. That, that was because of that. But he still saved a lot of people. Also, the shot that we skipped, I love the scene when uh, Kyle's mother dies. The way that we see Krypton all in flames and how the way that he's covered her in flames too, that's a really beautiful shot. Oh yeah, it's um, actually taken from John Byrne's Man of Steel of just one little panel of Lara in the background looking because in in the Man of Steel um, limited series, it's actually... um, it's not the red sun killing Krypton. It's it's not, you know, it's actually Kryptonite exploding out from the core of the Earth. And that's what kills all of them is like, it's just like this green surge of Kryptonite. Um, and you can actually, there's a panel where you see her looking off into like these pillars of Kryptonite just coming up out of the ground in the background. Um, and that's what they actually ended up taking for the shot of her looking off to the destruction of Krypton and dying. Um, but, uh, yeah, like the, the thing was Superman saving people. Okay. I guess we're going to get into this. Um, 
because there's this constant criticism of moral calculus and how he saves lives in this. And I have to say that that is an utter crock of shit. (laughs) Um, I don't mean to offend anyone right here, but, um, like, as Raul said, the situation with Zod is like his first major mission as Superman. Before this point, he's not actually Superman. He's just like a random guy doing, you know, acts of heroism. And he saves these oil rig workers. He saves a woman from being sexually harassed. He also, you know, destroys that harasser's car, well, uh, truck, which, you know, a lot of people are upset about for some reason. I don't know why. It's a stupid thing to be upset about, in my opinion, considering he's an asshole. Um, And he saves Lois from bleeding to death. And then whenever it finally gets to, well, also, you know, as a kid, he saves, you know, the bus of kids from drowning, which that's a whole thing with Jonathan being like, maybe let the kids drown. What I, I, I don't know. It's so it's such a dumb criticism, but I don't really know how to get into that right now. But essentially, whenever it finally gets to him saving these people from Zod and his crew, he he actually goes out of his way to save, you know, not only civilians, but the military guys that are trying to kill him. Yeah, I remember there's like... one where a guy is, he gets ejected from his fighter jet. Yes. Or, from the helicopter and he's falling and Superman sees him because this is when he gets the suit and then he saves him and he immediately just goes, Hey, you okay? It's very quick, but he does do that. You know, something that, yeah. Oh, Superman does. I know. Oh, yeah. so he saves. Right? It's almost like Zack Snyder yeah. knows that that's an integral he acts part of a friend because that's what Superman mm-hmm. is. He's a friend. And so he's just like taking him down. He's like, are you okay? And then, Bam, getting right back into the fight. Yeah, he's also like, taking on two these Kryptonians. He doesn't have any experience. Either. No. Yeah. He like he has no experience fighting. And these are like just incredibly experienced warriors that he's going up against. So it's just mm-hmm. now they have He's going to get his ass handed to him. More dangerous. And the military can't <laughs> help because they're humans and the military never helps. It's like Godzilla. They, <laughs> yeah. but you actually mentioned also, the, um, the bus, but um, before that he he gets thrown into the water and he's uh, you know knocked unconscious and we get a flashback in his mental state to when he first got powers and how overwhelming mm-hmm. that was. We see the X ray vision and he's just freaking yes. out because as an eight year old kid, if this happened to you, you'd freak out too. He just runs out of the classroom ends up in a janitor's closet just locking himself in because he doesn't want to hurt anybody. And yeah. he's just, it's a lot to take in. So then Martha Kent, why did you say yeah, that? It's, mm-hmm. it's basically like sensory overload. Yeah Martha, yeah, Martha Kent comes to help calm her son. She's played by Diane Lane, another great 
casting choice. And he mm-hmm. says, the world's too big, Mom. And he goes, then make it small. Picture mm-hmm. an island, listen to my voice, and calms him down. Actually gets him out, and he can hear everybody because he's got the super hearing as well. Mm-hmm. And the teacher tries to open up the door, and he just uses his heat vision. Yes. Which... I love how heat vision is portrayed. It's like the light from a light bulb or something, but it's just coming out of your eyes and how it heats yeah. up. Like all the skin mm-hmm. around his eyes starts to crack and dry out. Mm-hmm. It's it's so cool. Yeah. Also, it's, it's a really cool effect. The way that you see like how Superman sees everything. like He sees the brain, the nerves, the blood, all of the system of the teacher. And I'm like, Damn, I, was, I forgot about that effect. It's really cool. Yeah, it's it's really disturbing, you know, like mm-hmm. as X-ray vision would be. It wouldn't be just like, especially like if you don't know how to control it, wouldn't it just be like this thing like, oh, I can see the color of your panties. They're pink. <laughs> They're lead blind. Or also Clark Kent should have been a doctor, though, because he will be like, oh, you're going to have cancer in like three weeks. That will be $20. Like he will do it for cheap because he already has everything. <laughs> oh, it's Kansas. He could probably yeah, he... laser the tumor out if he wanted to. Yeah, too. Good. So he, I'm going to speed up a bit because we've been talking for 45 minutes. We're only an oh, hour God. or not even an hour into this movie. And there's already so much to talk about. It's crazy how, how much detail is in this movie and how we just go off on these tangents. Yes, mm-hmm. he steals some guy's clothes, and this is where we get to see the work that Henry Cavill has put in. He's put in a lot of work mm-hmm. in his mm-hmm. physique. He looks like Superman, not just like physically on his body, but his face and his hair and everything. You take one look at this man, and you're like, yeah, you could see why he was cast as Superman. He mm-hmm. was in a long line of guys, and he had actually auditioned for Superman uh, twice prior in the J.J. Abrams Superman Flyboy, mm-hmm. which never came to be, and then also Superman Returns, which went to Brandon Routh, who was also mm-hmm. fantastic. I believe Paul Walker also auditioned for Flyboy. He did. He did. Yes. Also, Jensen Ackles from Supernatural yeah, auditioned Danello. for Superman it's, too. That's a lot of names have auditioned for the role mm-hmm. of Superman, and not just in this movie, just in general. Mm-hmm. So then he sees a bus in the in the in the street, and that triggers another flashback to when uh, a tire gets blown out, and Clark is getting bullied by a DC Comics character, Pete Ross, who would, in the comics was actually his friend, and the girl that they focus on is Lana Lang, who again, if you know anything oh. about Superman, especially Smallville, you know who Lana Lang is, and clark he's he's 13 years old at this point and this bus um the tire blows out and it goes off a bridge and they're slowly sinking and they're going to drown because they they're trapped in the bus so Mm -hmm. clark having the powers he gets them all out and he saves a bus full of his students uh, or kids his age and the bus driver he even goes back and saves Pete because he wasn't in the bus for some reason. Mm-hmm. And probably fell out. <laughs> yeah, probably. And um 
we see immediately afterwards that Pete's mom is just like, oh, this is an act of God, uh, Jonathan, because this is when we get introduced to uh, Jonathan Kent, played by Kevin Costner, another Robin Hood actor. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, no, it's it, you're probably blowing it out of proportion. And then she's like, no, Lana saw it, too. Like, mm-hmm. your boy has been blessed. And Clark is just outside saying nothing, contemplating if he did the right thing just feeling so conflicted and this is where one of the criticisms come in where jonathan talks with clark yeah i'll let you talk about this uh, yes, yeah you do uh, it. he says what am i supposed to do just let him die and jonathan just goes maybe but this is how i interpret it the kents first and foremost are parents they love their son more than anything in the world i wouldn't know about this but i do know that if you are a parent your number one priority is your children. It's unconditional love. And you would be concerned about their safety and just mm-hmm. anything they do and add superpowers on it. They don't know how to do it. You know, this has never happened yeah. to anybody before, but they're just scared that Clark is gonna be taken away because if you're if your kid had superpowers and turned out to be an alien from another planet when they would take them away from you and do God knows what. So I think that was more of Jonathan. The maybe for me is like interprets as I don't know, because it's a complicated situation and he, he's not this cruel and heartless person. He still thinks that Clark did good. It's just, he felt like, oh, but you could expose what you can do. And then, again, in the Superman movie, everybody would be asking him to do this stuff. They wouldn't They wouldn't trust him. They would rethink how everybody, you know, everything that they know, to know that there's life on another planet. And he's more acting like a concerned father wanting the best for his son. And this is when he gets introduced to the baby shuttle and told his origins and everything yeah. and yeah what about you guys i agree with that ten thousand percent because i am really tired of the oh he's suggesting that maybe it's okay to let a bus full of children drown terrible father skills like it, it's so annoying. Like, it's just like, if you actually pay attention to the emotional nuance of it, there's more going on there than, it, like, Jonathan, you know, just being like, you should have let the kids die. No. I will add also, because you have to understand also the point of view, because he will be afraid, even though he's not his blood son, he's afraid that... The government can experiment on him. Yeah. Trying to analyze him. Also, that's the thing, talking about religion, because even in you going in a further scene, when you see the priest reacting to seeing an alien, and that's against the church, he's like, oh, crap. And so it's yeah. the representation of Superman in a real world, the way that Christopher Nolan and Snyder pitched in this movie, is how will flip everyone's ideologies. Also, like, going to the political sense that goes in BBS, too. And so, 
if I were Ke Kevin Costner during this moment, Pa Ken, I would say, okay, son, I know you wanted to save the kids, but you have to be careful because you need to be protected. Especially it goes also with the scene when Kevin Costner dies because he's like, no, son, like, it's not your moment yet. So it's kind of like, uh, it was a part of the storyline and he was protecting his son. And also because Pat Ken, I know that he loved his dog, but um, it was a tornado. But that's the thing. Maybe if Superman could have fly like really fast and no one have noticed, maybe he would have saved Pat Ken. But it's also it's a really cool moment too because he's representing that he's like, I live my life enough. Don't do it. I know that you're going to be fine. Yeah, and um, a lot of people criticize Kevin Costner's character in this movie. I think that's bullshit. I think that it's very much like Paul Kent. They're, they are nurturing. Martha Kent is obviously the more nurturing, the more motherly, and uh, Kevin Costner is more the strict but fair father, but that's just how the Kents are. They've always been that yeah. way. Yeah, like that's that's the thing that just really gets me about okay if it's not okay if Zack snyder does it but all these other people is it just the way that he does it because i know he does change some things but i i do i do think it's in the way that he does it and we we won't get into the the, the politics of it but basically <sighs> people try to tie this to some sort of um, moral calculus um, that Ayn Rand espouses in her objectivist beliefs or whatnot. And essentially it's, it's a, it's the drowning man um, scenario. Like, is it moral to save a drowning man if they're a stranger? And the answer is only if you are not putting yourself at mortal harm in doing so. Because if you put anyone's life above your own, you are committing the most heinous evil of all in her book, which is altruism. So, But that's what Superman is. He's very altruistic. He always puts his life, yeah. other lives above his own and that's actually a flaw of his that many people don't realize is that he's so rigid in his beliefs he's more rigid than captain america oh and yeah he which can actually be worked against him because everybody sees him as you know, he's the big blue boy scout he always does everything by the books but that's not entirely true he will do everything that he feels right and mm -hmm. He he will always try his best to do it by the book, and he has that reputation of being a dork and being a smiling, you know, people's person. But yeah, in, in this scenario, if would you trust somebody like that? Like, would you trust somebody that has these superhuman godlike powers that you don't know what their motivations are or how they're going to use them? But this actually brings yeah. up the example of the the scene afterwards. We see he has a job at a truck stop in this same town. And he's he's smiling and, you know, just doing his own thing. And this truck driver you mentioned before is harassing this waitress. 
but in the most Superman way possible, like he says it in the nicest way possible, he puts the hand on the guy and just says, hey man, leave her alone. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's trying to be as nice as possible and not try to cause a conflict. And that's, it shows he's a really stand-up guy. But <laughs> I love the, the detail of the guys trying to shove him, but he just can't. It's like trying to yeah. shove him out and, <laughs> and he just quits, which didn't make sense to me at first. But then in that scene, we hear that two military personnel, they're talking about how they found a ship in the ice not too far from there. And how the the military is involved is very hush hush, and he's like, "Oh, okay, this sounds very alien." Mm-hmm. Then yes, he destroys the guy's car, and then yeah, it's very <laughs> this therapeutic when, to destroy a sexual harasser's car. This is when we cut to an hour into this. We're finally talking about Amy Adams, Lois Lane. There was a lot of people considered oh, Lois Lane. Including Zoe Saldana. Zoe Saldana was actually, she was very close to getting it. Uh, Mila Kunis, just a lot of big names were in the contention for Lois Lane. And I think of the actresses that they listed, they all would have been good Loises. I would definitely have loved to have seen Zoe Saldana. But I want to see Mila Kunis. I want to see a tiny, a tiny Lois Lane. That would have been so cool, though. But I think. (laughs) No offense to the other ladies, but Amy Adams has been mm-hmm. crushing it for years. And she's probably the best actress, quote unquote actress, out of all of them. Much like Lois Lane. Yeah. She's sassy. She takes no shit whatsoever. Yeah. And Maybe. also one thing I really love is like how, you know, Zack Snyder's able to establish these characters' backgrounds in like half a fucking second. You know, like with how and with the, with the Lana introduction, he actually, you know, acknowledges how, you know, Superman's first love, Lana Lang, actually knew who he was and and everything like that. They, they established that in like one shot, no dialogue whatsoever. And then whenever they're introducing Lois Lane, they actually acknowledge her military background in just like one quick exchange. Um, whatever, yeah, she, you know. She's an army brat. Yeah, yeah, that they actually bring that up, and she's just like, "What can I say? I get army, uh, I'm not shit. I I get uh, writer's block whenever I'm not in a flak jacket, and it's just like one quick little exchange there. It's just like, oh yeah, yeah, she was a military kid. That's just a nice little detail. And she even says too. And she even says to the other guys, I was like, can you just stop measuring your dicks and we could just go along? Like they were like seeing the side and everything. Yeah. Yeah. When she goes to Antarctica. They are investigating this ship and mm-hmm. the ice around it. There's also um, another character from DC, Emil Hamilton, played by Richard Schiff, who you've probably seen him before. Yeah. In, in a couple of stuff. Like you saw his face, you would probably know. Oh, yeah. And also Christopher Maloney from Law and Order. <laughs> yeah, SVU. I'm honestly SVU. shocked yeah. that Chris Maloney's character wasn't like Sam Lane. I am honestly shocked good Sam that that wasn't him. Yeah, and Sam Lane in the comic books, that's Lois's father. And he's a, I believe he's a four-star general. Yeah. He's very, Ooh. very much the military father. Think of it like Thunderbolt Ross from Incredible Hulk. Yeah. You know, sort of 
that father. But oh, that he's far, far less of a dick than Thunderbolt Ross. Oh, okay. That would have been cool, though. Yeah, so <laughs> they determined that the ice around this ship is actually, it dates back to the Ice Age. And I like the detail of the soldier that is telling them this. Also played Emil Hamilton yeah. in Smallville. So it's that Superman legacy mm-hmm. casting where they recast. And Amy Adams was also actors. in Smallville, by the way. She was very, very early Smallville in a one-off episode. Yeah, that, that kind of takes... <laughs> a, it it kind of... If I remember right, didn't her episode take a little bit from like Stephen King's Thinner and just... The, you, yeah. It very much did. It was very Freak of the Week. But then Lois is going outside to... Um, it's at night this time, and she's going to take some photos, and she notices that Clark is going up the mountain and going into the ship. And so, of course, um, being a reporter and intuition, she wants to investigate that. And Clark is just exploring this massive ship. It's like an ark. It's like Noah's Ark. And finding all these little details, like the ship pods, or there's one dead body in one. There's a pod that's opened. We don't know who came out of that. But there's a theory that that's Supergirl. And um before that there's this um this robot looking protecting yeah. um thing and clark gets over it by using the necklace that he has um to override the system and this necklace is he's always had it it was in the baby shuttle it's essentially it's a key and a flash drive yeah. from his home world that contains jor-el's ai so that's how russell crowe is still in the movie and gives him access but not lois lane because she's a human and so what clark does is he crushes the entire um thing with his bare hands and he cauterizes her wound because she got hurt pretty bad and she's freaking out like what the hell who are you and he's just like i can do things that other people can't do. Also, that was my brother. Sorry about that. Okay. Family is being too loud. <laughs> and uh, you know, she's freaking out over um this dude that's blasting heat vision at her. Understand. And uh I'll let you guys talk more, especially you, Raul, because I feel like we're um it's just us two. And I don't uh, no, it's okay because your guys are more nerdier than me. <laughs> I'm only like to do jokes and do drama and controversial stuff. Like when knows if there's a kid dying in a movie, it gets it gets extra points. But if like if I were Lois, I would say to Clark and uh, to Superman, he just saved me like a hundred dollars, a hundred thousand dollars in medical bills. So that's cool with me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh. <laughs> It's a pretty good scene, you know, like I really like this, you know, introduction between mm-hmm. the two because there is actually a small introduction between the two before that scene. And it's right mm-hmm. after she gets off the helicopter mm-hmm. and she looks back to him and is like, be careful with those bags. Those, they're heavy. And he just looks at her like, mm-hmm. and then he just kind of lifts it like that. Yeah. But no. um, 
you know, whenever they're actually formally introduced, finally, it's 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 a really you immediately catch on to their chemistry immediately. Like you can tell that these two just Mm -hmm. freaking love each other from the first time they see each other. Um, And I I do really, Mm -hmm. really like that, you know, like because because Lois Lane is this character that she she's uh, trying to figure out the would the word be domineering i don't really know what the what the word would be hmm. exactly uh forgive me my um my uh thesaurus uh knowledge is failing me um <laughs> but <laughs> that's okay but Lynn. yeah like okay. she 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 really is like this very powerful woman essentially you know spiritually so she she would need someone who is at an equal level uh, wavelength to her to you know fall in love with which is why in other iterations where she doesn't end up with um clark she actually ends up with someone like lex luther or bruce wayne um but yeah you could see that the second lois sees this man like she's just oh my god like this is someone that is kind of operating at you know my my wavelength and i i'm just very fascinated by this man i have to you know track him down and learn everything about him you know it's it's almost kind of a stalker situation if i'm being honest but she's she's a journalist so yeah, that's I don't know. I'm I'm just very fascinated by how they just immediately capture that chemistry in just like one small scene. Like it doesn't even have to build it to to it. Like you immediately know that these two have a thing for each other. Yeah, some actors just some actors just click. Yeah, and I fully believe that they did chemistry reads and just Henry Cavill and Amy Adams. They they work really well together. You believe them as Lois and Clark. New Adventures of Superman. (laughs) And so Lois is recapping what she's figured out. And she finds out that, yes, he falsified his documents and he's been moving around place to place. Uh, The alias that he used for that he tends to use is Joe, which I think is a small nod to Joe Schuster, one of the creators of Superman. Again, not a coincidence. Yeah, and also. And she's telling this to her. Uh, also is a rep editor to um i mean i guess it could be a reference to jonathan kent but not really but it is definitely a reference to joe oh yes his middle name as well is joseph yeah so um, that's pretty cool but yes she's talking to perry white who is the head of the daily planet and in this movie is played by lawrence fishburne so it's the first person of color to play Perry White, I thought it was pretty cool, and, and he he's brilliant. He's just like, yeah, he's just like, look, I can't print this. You might have made up half of it, and then we learned that Lois is a Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter, <laughs> and he goes like, "All right, um, you're suspended for a week, no pay," and then she starts sassing him, and he's just like, "All right, let's make it three weeks," and then he goes, "Can you imagine?" how humanity would react if they found out that they weren't alone. You know, bringing up a very good point. He's just like, he knows that Lois doesn't 
bullshit. Yeah. So he knows that there's some credibility to this story. But yeah, how could you print it? And so she goes to this one dude who she doesn't like. And she allows him to just leak it through the internet. Just WikiLeaks the situation. And I love that she's just drinking up uh, straight scotch. Yeah, like she just like downs it. That's very hard to do without coughing. She just drinks it like a champ. Because again, Lois Lane can hold her liquor. Oh God, like. And then this is where we find out that uh, the spaceship, it was on autopilot and it goes to a, another location in the Arctic with Clark in it. And this is where the hologram of Jor-El appears to Clark and gives him his superhero origin story in a really cool way too. It's very, it's, it's visual. It's a visual history lesson and all these moving parts. It's very hard to describe, but even people that don't like the movie admit that this sequence of him explaining Krypton's origins like the cliff note version yeah. of it is really cool and how Zod attempted to take over Krypton and that the ship that Clark is on is actually a ship from Krypton that was sent out to find different worlds and colonize them. So yeah. um, Krypton was very much um, into imperialism, mm -hmm. except with planets, including um these terraforming machines that would mimic the atmosphere and just basically reform a planet into Krypton, which we will find out later in the mm -hmm. movie. Like in Steven Universe, oh. the diamonds did that. <laughs> My God. <laughs> it's just... But, uh, yeah it's we get his origin story and where he's wearing when... kryptonian underwear with a cape mm -hmm. with a cape and we get introduced to the suit and this actually brings up a point how do you guys feel about him having no trunks this is apparently a thing in super well as fans have an issue with that he doesn't wear the red trunks which itself was a reference to Victorian strongmen. And Zack Snyder tried hundreds of designs to make it work, but just couldn't find one that fit. So they just did without the trunks. What, what about you guys? This is the first major movie where he doesn't have well, red trunks. as you said, it's Kryptonian underwear. So essentially the entire suit is a piece of underwear. So... Mm -hmm. You know, there's really no need for the trunks since the entire suit is the trunks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, it actually looks very aesthetically That's pleasing the for the, the tone that they're going for. Anyway. Also, so technically Superman doesn't wear nothing underneath the suit, right? No. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> Kryptonian underwear. <laughs> mm. that has a cape attached to it for some reason but then again capes mm -hmm. are meant for royalty and the house of l is a very prominent family in krypton so that, yeah, that makes a lot and, of sense and, and not superman he doesn't have the, yeah if he doesn't have the red boots the flowing cape big red s 
with the yellow in between it and it's gotta mm -hmm. be blue as well these are very specific colors in their time-honored traditions and Jorel explains of course that the symbol of the house of l is hope mm -hmm. of course and that he's been getting stronger because of the yellow sun which that's also a time-honored tradition for super mm -hmm. that he he gets his superpowers from our sun so he's a solar powered superman and the only way to know how far his powers will go is keep testing his limits and this is what mm -hmm. we get into by far the best scene in the movie this is taken straight from superman birthright where he learns how to fly what are you guys oh yeah and um we get um a quote from jor-el which is you will give the people of her earth something to strive towards. They will stumble, they will fall, but in time they will join you in the sun and in time they will accomplish wonders. Well, I'll let mm -hmm. Raul go first. I'll let Raul go because I've, I've been just going. No, 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 that's okay. And also I really like the way that says, what if a child dream of becoming something more that society intended more of him or her? And, it, it, it's like the thing that also establishes because a lot of people always talking about the different ideologies between Pac and, and, and Jorel. I think that they both, they're showing the both sides of Clark Kent slash Superman because Pac represents the human side of Clark Kent and Jorel shows the godlike slash alien thing, duties that Superman has to do to represent Krypton in, in Earth. Also, I really liked also the thing that you said about the sequence of the whole explanation about Krypton. Is this a thing that I wonder, and I even pause it. When you see, they're like, he's giving this position, and then you see some of the, you don't see the, like, the human baby, like the eggs, but you see, like, mm -hmm. the arms. Are they establishing that there also there were some babies in that ship, too? Um, yeah, there's probably a whole colony. Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so also a thing that you said, I really like this scene and like how he's jumping and learning how to fly because it reminded me controversial movie, but I liked it. I like every Banner's Hulk. Oh yeah, Angley's Hulk movie. I I love that movie. Mm -hmm. Um, better than the Edward Norton one. I agree. <laughs> I agree completely. I do not agree with mm -hmm. people that say that um, the Edward Norton Hulk is a better movie because it's not um but <laughs> yes uh hot take <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh billy just did the the leo dicaprio Django meme one of them also so, when technically the wandavision finale stole from the unleashed hulk in the season finale of wandavision technically you think about oh, it yeah it totally stole from that but like anyway like the, the thing <laughs> with him like jumping first before he actually gets to flying mm -hmm. it's actually kind of taking from you know superman's initial origins where he could just leap a tall building in a single bound he couldn't exactly fly yet and you know he has to like jump all this height before he can actually learn to fly so it's just like a nice little nod to like his early days in comic books and you know it's just i i really love that 
but Billy was getting another thing I really love (laughs) is um that he breaks the sound barrier a couple of times because he is flying so fast which yes if Superman existed in real life which is essentially what this movie is it's a close encounter story but set in um our time like it's 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 about as realistic as you can get from a alien that has almost every superpower and um you know he's more than a bird he's more than a plane he's more than some pretty face beside a train <laughs> it's not easy <laughs> i had to throw in that fighting song oh, somehow oh and it's perfect but it's so good it's all score and from his initial excitement to oh shit i can fly to trying again and you see the gravity and all the rocks circling around him and then he just boom takes off and it's just him flying all over the world he goes into space in a shot that reminds me of the end of the last shot of superman the it's movie. definitely an homage to that you know, when he's flying in the sky and yes that's when lois gets suspended and um that's because perry found out that she leaked it on the internet and then we get to her visiting uh jonathan kent's grave we learned that jonathan kent was not very old first of all he was he was in his mid-40s probably like if you look at the dates and being a investigative reporter she's very good at her job she learned who clark was and uh she is saying i want to tell your story and he goes but my father told me that um i should hide this part of me because he didn't think that the world was ready and she goes well the only way for you to do that is for you to stop helping people and i feel that's something that you cannot do which is very much true superman Mm -hmm. cannot stop helping people because he that's just who he is he's a good person through and through he'll always stick up for the little guy yeah and yes he's the optimism is a big part of his character typically but in an origin story where he hasn't really learned to love himself and accept himself yet yeah i think that they nailed every other part of superman oh, absolutely. these are again time honored traditions that you have to do and then this is how we learned how Jonathan Kent died. Another very controversial thing because typically in the comics and traditionally, Pa Kent dies of a heart attack. And it's a metaphor for saying that even somebody as powerful as Superman can't trump life. And something that's simple, that he was powerless to stop it. Which I understand and I actually do love. I do prefer the heart attack um death because it's just much more simpler yeah but here in the context of the movie i like that they changed it 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 makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. yeah yeah because they they're they're saving people from a tornado before this they're having an argument and even clark says you're not my real dad you're just some guy that found me and yeah, you say things you don't mean when you're especially a he just teenager. Like, yeah, also made Henry Cavill look like a teenager, believably like like a young man in mm-hmm. college. 
you know, is coming out and they see that a tornado is coming and immediately Pa Ken is just like, get everybody on, under the overpass right now. Take your mother. Uh, I'll help other people. You know, something that probably Clark learned from him. That, that calm under pressure, which I think is really cool. But then he has to go save the dog and he his foot gets caught in the car door because a car uh crashed on top of theirs and it, it it broke his ankle and so he can't move and clark is just like i gotta go save him but uh jonathan just holds up his hand and is like no no let me die i he sacrifices his life so that clark can you know still save people yeah. but it could be a secret. yeah and like he what do you guys the, the thing that i kind of pull from this is like he recognizes that clark is not yet ready to answer um the question of what kind of man he's going to be yet he's not ready for it and if he threw himself out there to save jonathan in that moment he would no longer have that choice for himself like he would make that choice prematurely. So he, you know, wants him to be as ready as he possibly can before he makes that decision. And I think that's the reason why he's like, no, it's, it's fine. Just let me go. I know you'll do the right thing when the proper time comes for it. This just is not the time. And you know he he ends up trusting. And what about you, Raul? How did, how did you and how did you interpret that? Because that that was really awesome. You you brought up some things I never really thought about before, Gwen. No, it's the same thing. Like uh, I said previously, like like going ahead on this scene, but is the same thing that he the Parkins and the other controversial line. I was like, uh, maybe you had would have left them die because he still protected his son even in his last minute of life because like when said i was like oh, he's not ready yet he needs to learn more things about this world like the world he does is not ready yet and so that's why he that he made that moment of course if you if you would have made this scene a little different the the whole movie would have been a little different especially if if clark would have saved john kenny that moment the movie that we're seeing wouldn't have happened at all. It would have happened so much different because then Superman would have been discovered since it was a teenager. It would cause another ripple effect. It's technically kind of like an, an alternate Earth kind of storyline, if you think about it. And so I I, I kind of like this moment too, especially the, the thing that Billy said is a thing, something that God... Technically, because super, um, Superman represents Jesus Christ, it's a thing that God cannot control. It's the, it's the same thing with medicine that you cannot play God. You cannot save every everyone. Mm-hmm. And so I think it goes with the same thing with, with Superman too. Yeah. Um, which we'll we'll get into a little mm-hmm. bit of that in the finale. But yeah. yeah. So then after Lois hears the story, she actually respects his privacy and doesn't publish it which i think is very awesome on her part 
because Lois will chase that headline, but she does have a moral conscience, and she sees that this is a good person and that he just wants to be left alone. Mm-hmm. And it's not up to her for to decide that for him. And then, so Clark returns, knowing everything that he knows, to his mother, uh, Martha. And that's the first LexCorp uh, truck. That's a little Easter egg there. And he tells her that, you know, I found out who my parents were. And she says, you know, I used... I used to remember when you were a baby, you would just breathe, and it was so hard for you, just adjusting. And then she's just like, I'm just afraid they're going to take you from me. And he, being the supporting, loving son, is just like, hey, no, I'm right here. Uh, I'm not going anywhere, and I'm okay. Then later that night, the military detect a strange ship from orbit and they even see the ship from smallville and this is where we get uh a message from zod about you are not alone and that he knows that clark is there yeah and he just tells the world uh yeah you got 24 hours or i'm gonna wreck shit so come on out cal yeah and so yeah he goes to a priest first of all which makes no sense at first but then you realize oh yeah he grew up in kansas so of course he would be christian and it would help shape his morality and it's the closest thing to a like a godlike being is somebody that is a representative of god yeah yeah essentially not not a prophet but just somebody who teaches the beliefs that are instilled in him yeah and and probably and, taught the beliefs that were instilled in jonathan so he's like trying to go for someone as close to jonathan as he could get to try and understand what to do yeah because this movie actually doesn't really have a fortress of solitude you could say that the kryptonian ship substitutes that yeah but and, but in the next movie, they actually do something. Yeah, like um, Zach actually explained in like I think it was uh, the live stream that he did. You know, like the watch party for Batman versus Superman. He explained that you know the Fortress of Solitude is you know more so a psychological state of the the character. It's not a physical place. Um, it's more like the psychological, spiritual, you know place that the character can be in at a certain point in time whenever they need guidance um which i think is far more meaningful than just going to an ice rock in the middle of antarctica (laughs) oh oh for sure and um the guy that was lois's contact uh contact that leaked the story doing an interview and actually name drops lois so she is kidnapped by uh the military because they know that she knows who he is and like they put two and two together Mm -hmm. and uh there's a quote from the uh from the priest that um 
this is before uh, Clark turns himself in to the military. And he says, sometimes you have to take a leap of faith first. And the trust part comes later, mm-hmm. you know, echoing what, what to do. Because he says, I don't think Zod can be trusted, but I also don't think that humanity can be trusted too. And so that's his response. And yeah, yeah so we see him the first, uh, he's flying over the military and there's also the awesome cape flap, the CG cape. Mm-hmm. But man, I mean, a long ass cape too. But um, the lead general is Harry Lennox, who you've definitely seen him oh, yeah. in stuff before, like The Matrix or The Blacklist. Julie Tainter. Deep Voice. Yes, Ty- Titus. That's another. That's an underrated movie. Um, and he, um, Clark gives himself up, and he's just like, you know, I'll give. I'll surrender, but you have to guarantee Lois' safety. And he's just like, don't play games with me. I know. And we get the... Um, he's being led away in handcuffs, which we know is useless, because he's Superman. Mm-hmm. And it's the image where one of the teaser posters yeah, um, comes from, with him being escorted by the military into this room to talk with Lois. And then she's asking him well he's doing it more so as a gesture of trust and to help them feel secure because mm-hmm. yeah you would be you'd be scared shitless if this guy that can go through wall uh like bend steel and fly and shoot lasers like it's nothing I, i'd be a little intimidated oh, yeah at the very least i'd be really scared and yes he explains oh it's not an s it, on my world it means hope but here it's an s yeah and then how about the line suit, and then she's cut yeah. off yeah and then clark is just like look i know that there are people behind that glass it's a two-way mirror and i know that there's a bunch of military guys right there you won't need to do anything and then harry lennox um general swanwick that's his character's name um he goes, um, we have legitimate security concerns. How do we know that we can trust you? But then Clark just immediately, he gets up and just breaks the um, handcuffs like they're nothing. And that causes them to go back. And he just goes, except for the you general. scared me because, you can't. yeah, except for the general. Very telling because apparently in the Snyder Cut, he becomes a certain character. Um, mm-hmm. A very prominent member of a certain league. <laughs> Even though at the time of uh, making this movie, Zack Snyder hadn't decided that. So he was just a regular general. Mm-hmm. But I like that yeah, it shows that he's not scared of anything. Mm-hmm. But he goes, look, I haven't hurt anybody and I'm on your side. And he's just like, okay, and so who who isn't? Zod? And he just goes, look, just do what you got to do. Turn me over to Zod, and I'll protect the planet. And then we get cut to this awesome shot between Clark and Lois. And he's in his suit and everything. And he just goes, thank you. She goes, for what? For believing in me. Before he gets turned over. And we get uh, Feora, mm-hmm. 
played by um, uh, Anche Trejo, who she's German. Originally, this role, I thought it was Ursa from Superman 2, and it was Odd's Lieutenant, which you could say is a, it's a very similar role. But this role was originally going to be Gal Gadot's role, but she had to turn it down because she was pregnant at the time. But that later ended up being a, a saving grace because she was later cast as Wonder Woman, and we all know what happened there. Yeah. So, what do you guys think about Clark surrendering to Zod? Very in character. That's. That's the only thing I have to add on that. And I will add um, one of the lines that Generals One with said when they're noticing the media was like, whoever's piloting that thing is going to make a dramatic entrance. And I just skip when you, General Saad gives the message to the whole world like, you're not alone. There's someone pretending to be someone like you, a citizen of my planet. And I really love the detail of that Saad had the same recording at the same time in different languages. That was pretty cool. And also another Jesus allegory, uh, Clark says to Lois that he has been on this planet for 33 years, exactly like Jesus. I never noticed that. That's so cool. This is why I love this oh. movie so much, is that you notice all these little details and pieces of dialogue that do come back into the story later. Well, also, in the church scene, you notice how they put a Henry Cavill's face on right next to Jesus, glass, yeah. looking at the light, uh, the vitriol. And I'm like, yes, Zach, Zach yeah. we know. <laughs> yes, we know, Zach. You do not have to be this blunt with it. We understand. <laughs> so, Feora also says that Lois has to come with them. And they're like, okay, that wasn't part of the mm -hmm. deal. I love it. He goes, should I tell the general that mm -hmm. you are willing to... Un uh, you're not willing to comply. And then Christopher Maloney's just like, I don't care what you tell him. Just like, I'm not taking any shit. He's just like, you're not intimidating me. Mm -hmm. But. Yeah, I love how that, that just comes back. Like those two kind of have a few interactions afterwards. They're just... yeah. But yes, Lois agrees to go with yes. Clark. And Lois is fitted with um, a breathing uh, helmet because Kryptonian atmosphere is different than Earth's and while Feora's, Feora's distracted uh, Clark slips Lois the key he used on the ship and the ship that they're on now, Zod's ship, is called the Black Zero, which again if you watch Batman vs Superman that's the day that they that's the code name for the day where Superman introduces himself to humanity and the Black Zero event, in Again, other words, the Ground team. Zero event. <laughs> and then we get Zod. This time yes. has a goatee for some reason. I don't know why. It just works because General Zod always has facial hair. And um, Clark is just... He's collapsing and he's coughing up blood. And it's because he's rejecting the Kryptonian atmosphere because he's so used to Earth. Which goes back to the line of you know, as a baby, you struggled yeah. and it was hard for you to breathe because he was adjusting to Earth's atmosphere. So they just got to pass. Yeah. And then in this 
sort of dreamlike vision. I don't know how this came to be, but Zod explains his master plan and how after Krypton was destroyed that they were they escaped the Phantom Zone because Krypton um, was the key to keeping them there. And with that destroyed, um, they were able to break free of their reconditioning. And they, again, searched the stars, like Jor-El said, ironically enough. And they even found a, a world engine, which is that thing that will terraform any planet into Krypton. And they say that they found Earth... Because when Clark activated the ship, it sent out a homing signal. So it's like the Incredibles in that way. Yeah. Also, just another biblical allegory in this movie. Um, this one was actually pointed out to me um, by a video essayist, um, like a fellow video essayist that, you know, we follow each other and everything, uh, The Worm's Hole. If you are unfamiliar with this guy, please go check out his video on Snyder because it is really, really good, really in-depth. It's over an hour long, but it's it's talking about three different movies, you know, so it's it's really good. But anyway, like he points out, you know, how this vision sequence between him and Zod is basically kind of like um, Satan tempting Jesus in the desert. So, you know, like it, you guys should see Raul's face, yeah, like, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so fucking true. Like, I never thought of saying, you know, like, <laughs> there's just small details like that. Yeah, and he's just like, never uh, noticed that. Yeah, we're going to take Damn. over Earth and turn it into Krypton. And so, Kal El is like, what happens to Earth? Well, essentially, you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. He collapses under the skulls, mm-hmm. wearing a black suit, by the way. Also, the thing, I, another thing I don't like Damn. is that Superman is a Royals fan, but um, that's okay. That's a that's a baseball thing. I'm a Cardinals fan, even though the Royals are in Kansas City, Missouri, not Kansas. Mm-hmm. So there's some continuity right there. Ooh. And yeah, Clark's strapped to a table. He can't break free because he doesn't have his powers because it's a Kryptonian atmosphere kind of like the red sun mm-hmm. or that if you put superman in a red sun it dampens his powers which a lot of people don't realize most people yeah. always think of kryptonite which i do too but he's also susceptible to a red sun environment and magic so that's not something that mm-hmm. most people take into consideration and yeah no the small smallville took in the magic situation i don't know if they took in the red sun I, I haven't gotten that far into it. I've just got like maybe season five. I think they did later in the show. Okay. But yes. Um, it's because of this environment that one of Zod's men um, is able to take a blood sample from Clark. You know, he's being a big baby about getting a shot, but he's never had blood <laughs> drawn before or a needle in his body because his skin is so diamond hard that, you know, nothing on earth could penetrate his skin so mm-hmm. yeah i know uh the innuendos <laughs> yes lois is thrown into a cell and she finds one of those panels and puts the key in there that's where she meets her future father-in-law i guess and he's just like oh yeah i know who you are 
I don't know how he knows that, but I guess he's living his experiences with Clark. And he's like, I can get you. Or maybe he hacked into the internet, That's like Sod hacked into the TV systems. He's just like, I'm taking over like the to ship give his right message. now. And then we get the uh, Call of Duty video game sequence. Mm -hmm. As I call it. it yes! City, I love that scene. Especially with Jor-El being a uh, NPC. I think that's I think that's how you say it. Um, but there is one small thing yes. about this is you kind of get a little bit more of Lois's military background and a little bit of interesting bits with mm -hmm. her just doing almost just, just kind of a little bit of a retcon mission. I mean, not re not retcon, recon, not retcon. Jesus, my brain. Um, it's <laughs> um but essentially uh like she's she she's doing kind of a little bit of a recon mission and she picks up a sidearm uses it you know following orders from Jarrell. It, it is a little bit of a military background kind of coming out of her in that scene and it's it's a very subtle detail well as subtle as it gets for snyder <laughs> yeah so um, he gets her into an escape pod and is just like, you know, we're never going to meet again, but, uh, thank you for helping my son. Oh yeah. And, uh, duck by the way, cause somebody's going to punch you and mm -hmm. yeah, she escapes from the ship and this is where we get the most obvious symbolism of Jesus. Oh, with, um, absolutely. There's a hole in the ship and. You know, it's causing the cape to flap, but Jor-El, last time he meets Clark, he says, you can save them, Cal. You can save them all, starting with her. Because he can hear Lois. He knows that she mm -hmm. went out. And he, of course, just faster than a speeding bullet, flies right down to the pod, which is tearing apart because, you know, the one Kryptonian soldier put a hole through it. And he, of course, mm -hmm. saves Lois Lane second time in this movie. Also, I want to add, technically, Lois was in, like, cook well done. Because you can see that she's breaking the atmosphere and you see all of the fire entering the ship. And I'm like, how the yes, hell did Lois survive that? <laughs> um, it reminded me of a bit of, like, Star Wars <laughs> and Revenge when they're entering the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And that's just any yeah. space travel I watched Apollo 13 for the first time, and that reminded me of that. And, yeah. Um, and uh, what? Yeah, trying to remember what else. Oh, right, that comes. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, the yeah, like the, like the the Jesus he thing. He has his arms. She, he out. turns into a crucifix. <laughs> a lot of people have a problem with yes. that, and I'm just like, it's called symbolism, people. Uh, I mean, yeah. Yes, it doesn't have to be subtle. It's symbolism. They did the same thing with Superman and Superman Returns. They did the same thing with Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2. And they actually did Smallville. Spider-Man Homecoming. <laughs> um, and also, they, they, do, they do it all the time. Oh, also, in VVS, the way they, they carry Superman, like for, they carry Jesus yes. from the cross after he dies. And the way that he gets stabbed also, spear, like Jesus Christ on the back. Very too. much intentional. Mm -hmm. and yes he, I love how they float down as well yeah it's just, just very calm of... and like the cape is just nice and 
it's like um it's just very sweet and he's just like no, no no it's okay they they did stuff to me too lois and then he just hears oh no something's happening over at my house boom takes off <laughs> to marta why did you say that man? um <laughs> and they know where where is the codex yeah. where is the codex where are they <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, uh, from, we're, on, we're on franchise. Rachel, Rachel. <laughs> um, Zod and his crew are trying to intimidate um, Ma Kent into mm-hmm. where the Codex is. She looks into the barn because that's where the baby shuttle's at. Fiora, whoom, leaps and is looking in the shuttle, and it's not there. Where could it be? Even throws uh, the truck into the home. So Clark mm-hmm. just tackles him and starts punching the crap out of him. Yep. You think you can threaten my mother? <laughs> just puts them into, um, and then we get the Battle of Smallville. And mm-hmm. they, of course, crash into the 7-Eleven. And this is another thing that people criticize, all the product placement, because we had at this point Nokia, Nikon, and this battle with the 7-Eleven, IHOP. IHOP, Sears, uh, there's a U-Haul truck. Um, he's wearing yes. Royal gear, so much product Budweiser. Placement. There's a lot of product placement in this mm-hmm. movie, but I attend. I just say that this these are all actual products it, that people use. It, yeah, and it looks like a small town. It looks like a real small town that mm-hmm. would have all these, you know, products there. And also, like, they need to make the fuck. They 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 need the money to make the movie. Yeah, where do you think it comes from? It's not like Transformers, like, where that's a blatant Bud Light ad. No, 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 no. The best yeah. ad in a movie, Billy and when, is Elizabeth Banks eating a Krispy Kreme in Power Rangers. I was going to say uh, Brad Pitt <laughs> Pepsi from uh, World War Z. Uh, oh, that too. Oh my God. The Pepsi saves us from the zombies. <laughs> Yes, what we're seeing. Or if you're Kylie Jenner, it ends uh, racism. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> oh god! No, I never thought not. that would come up ever again. <laughs> That's a Superman two joke. Right there. Um, so yes, um, Zod's face mask um, comes uh-huh. off, and he starts getting sensory overload. Just is the one stupid thing that Clark does in the movie where he's just like, my parents taught me how to control my powers, all that. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Zod's out of commission, but everybody else seems to be okay. But, oh, yeah, because they, the, um, they have their masks on, mm-hmm. and military, of course, coming in, being the military, they're bombing the shit out of it. And um, Feora and another Kryptonian are at the other side of the street, and it it's kind of like a Western where they're meeting up in the middle of the street. Yes. And as this is happening, he, uh, Clark is just like, get inside. It's not safe to people. And mm-hmm. then, um, as they're bat- battling, um, with a lot of destruction, with also, can so I add the, fe- can I add that Fiora is fucking awesome. She's a fucking badass and she's fucking hot. I will, I will agree. She is pretty like, Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, also there's a the reason she... why people want her back. Yes, especially how she beat Superman's ass. I want her back too. 
<laughs> oh yeah, and so the army and uh, Christopher Maloney. Imagine if she was an underling of Dark Side. Uh, that'd be cool. She ended up on Apocalypse, <laughs> and uh, so the military is coming in, and we mentioned a scene earlier where Superman saves a guy from the helicopter. Kryptonians are easily just cutting them up to ribbons, mm-hmm. literally, and they crash into the IHOP. There's a quick moment where Pete Ross, who earlier in the movie was talking with Lois, because he's the manager of an IHOP now, and. Mm-hmm. Um, they look at each other and they're like, huh? And Feora is just kicking the crap out of Clark. And I'm saying Clark yes. for a reason because he hasn't really become Superman yet. Yep. And Also, when you said I have been craving some cheesecake pancakes with strawberry, they're really good though. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So he's able to knock their helmets off and they get sensory overload and then they retreat. Mm-hmm. And well, also you get the moment that guy from SVU says, uh, "says this man is now our, not our enemy." After he finally realized that he's also saving them. Yes, and we get this cool shot of uh, one of his boots, and then the cape flies over it. Well, also, what gets him to say, it, like, gets him to realize that Superman's a friend, is because well, right before that, we get another exchange between him between him and Feora. And mm-hmm. it's a good death is its own reward. And they're about to go into a knife battle. And then he just swoops in and saves his life like last seconds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- and that comes back later in a very fun way. Yep. So Superman or Clark comes back to check on his mom, whose house is totally mm-hmm. destroyed. But she just goes, oh, they're just oh, things. obliterated. It's okay. How are you? By the way, nice suit and everything. And I love that when she gives him a hug, she has to stand on her tippy toes because um, mm-hmm. Diane Lane is much shorter than six foot one Henry Cavill. <laughs> and oh, yeah. Uh, Lois somehow uh, makes it over to the Kent house and is just like, I know how I can zop- stop Zod because Jor-El explained how you can turn the baby shuttle into what's called a phantom drive, which is how they mm-hmm. were able to transport from one galaxy to the other and this is when zod back on his ship um is informed about that the codex was implanted in him so in his cells he has the entire codex and he's the literal embodiment of his people and zod is just like does he have to be alive in order for me to get extracted from his cells they're like no so mm-hmm. he does that and then Jor-El who um, is still on the ship is trying to convince Zod not to do it and they're what they're in what is called a Genesis chamber where all the Kryptonian baby uh, fish eggs are and it's like <laughs> um, tell me you have Jor-El's memories but can you feel his pain? Yeah. And he overrides the system. So that is how Jor-El is gone from this movie. Yes. And also nice little callback to a scene from earlier. Whenever a Jor- whenever um, 
Clark actually, you know, first learns that Zod killed Jarrell, and he's like, "You killed my father," and he's like, "Yes." Not a day goes by that doesn't haunt me. But if I could do it again, if I had to do it again, I would. And that's exactly what happens in this scene because nothing will prevent him from carrying out his mission, not even seeing the ghost of what was once his friend. And he kills his friend for a second time. So it's just, again, just like bringing it all back. Oh, hi, kitty. That's uh, that's Raul's cat. I'm keeping this in the episode, by the way. (laughs) Uh, His name is Barley. Like from um, my work, she can listen to that episode <laughs> yeah. um, of our podcast. It was, it was a good one. I, I rushed Raul through it, but uh, I, I still like it. We got to talk about onward, and <laughs> this is where we get release the hype engine or release the world engine. But it's become a meme yeah, yeah. for DC fans to yeah. say release the hype engine. Oh yeah. And one of them lands in the South Indian Ocean and Zod's ship. And the other one in Metropolis. In the middle of Metropolis, which at this point, it's 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 New York City. Let's be honest, that's what it's based off of. Gotham City yeah. is Chicago, then Metropolis is uh, New York. And it starts terraforming yep. the Earth where it will go back and forth and it will make the density much um, like it increase the mass and it's turn it's terraforming the earth into Krypton. And this is where we get the big battle of Metropolis. And a lot of people do not like this because of how much destruction they have. And the 9-11 imagery. Oh yes, very nine eleven in this mm-hmm. movie. Oh my god! But you know that maybe line mm-hmm. from earlier with Jonathan. Well, it comes back because whenever they're they're devising the plan of how to stop the world engine and everything, like saying like, "Oh, I have to go around to, across the world to the Indian Ocean to to." stop the world engine while mm-hmm. you guys prepare to stop the black zero in metropolis and lois takes him aside is like if this you know creates the same atmosphere as krypton can't that kill you and he says maybe but i'm not gonna let that stop me from trying so it's just like Bam. Perfect. Like that just captures Superman entirely. Yeah. And uh, this is the first time like when the when Swanwick gets word of that Superman has a plan. Um, yeah. The soldiers are calling him Superman now. And mm-hmm. you know, this is like two hours, 15 minutes, maybe into the movie. And I mean, that's pretty much where we're at right now. We're almost at two hours. This is one of our longest episodes. Uh, thank you for still sticking in. Um, and he reasons that if the pod brought him to Earth and is activated by the key, that it'll start up a phantom drive in, inside. So if the pod collapse or collides with Zod's ship, which also has a drive attached, 
it'll make a black hole which will like a phantom exactly zone. make it make a fat phantom zone so zod leaves the ship and heads for the ship that clark found in the arctic and that's where we get the jor-el zod talk and that's how he took control of the ship that's why zod yeah is he's he he gets control of his powers there as well i guess that's just the training ground for kryptonians and that's why zod <laughs> is not with his troops because there was but he shows up again yeah and um so christopher maloney uh dr hamilton and uh lois board a plane to take the pot of metropolis and then superman goes to the south indian ocean to try to take down the world engine and but he's actually stopped by these weird um anime tentacles i don't know it's it's a little strange yeah. actually yeah, i thought it was weird do you like some tentacle hentai yeah i didn't want to say later? hentai but it's it's very hentai tentacles it's pretty mm-hmm. hentai <laughs> but it's pretty cool though it's a cool effect yeah it's like that thing that you could put yeah. your face in i i really yeah, I really like I know, how, I how that sounds wrong, they. But I mean, like the material. <laughs> I really like how they acknowledge that these, um, you know, I forget what they exactly called it, but like the the metal beads and everything that create like almost kind of like these Kryptonian Skype calls and everything are also, you know, if there's enough of it, like in a pool of this, in like certain. Um, ships and whatnot they can actually form weapons i actually really like that small little touch there yeah i agree and so this is where the situation metropolis is getting real bad because people are dying and the ground is collapsing buildings are collapsing it's it's nuts and Mm -hmm. they're trying to fly the ship to the transport but Feora ends up getting on board and we also get a scream from one of the soldiers getting thrown out, uh, a Wilhelm scream. <laughs> and yeah. Wilhelm. <laughs> that's a, that's a ratchet and clank <laughs> reference to nobody that understood. <laughs> Unless you're ratchet and clank. Also, also one of the lines that I, that I like one of the last lines that says you're all too sad. I was like, my son is twice the man you the man you were. He will finish you. And the way that says I, re- I rebuild, I will rebuild Krypton on top of his bones. And I'm like, damn. <laughs> that is very much into genocide. Mm-hmm. Very, very much. Fight. Totally right. not a fascist. <laughs> also. We get one of the other scenes from Lois talking about sexual innuendos. When you see that the USB doesn't go in, she's like, it's supposed to go all the way. Yeah, it's not going into the pod for some reason. But that's when Dr. Yeah. Hamilton realizes, oh, yeah, it's not turned in all the way. So he turns <laughs> it. They're able to put the key in. And uh, Christopher Maloney ends up flying the ship into Zod's uh, as ship. He tells Feora a good death is its own reward. Yes, that's pretty damn cool. Starts a black hole where literally everybody, except for Lois Lane, of course, gets sucked in the hole. Mm -hmm. And before that, we saw that Superman was 
really struggling to defeat the world engine, but he goes through and he ends up doing it and he has to recover for a little bit, but drinks in the sun's mm-hmm. radiation and then he flies over there and he saves Lois just in yes. time. So that's again, third time he saves Lois Lane in this movie. Mm-hmm. That's very and traditional also, to say Lois Lane many times. Also, yes. Sad says, if you destroy this ship, you will destroy Krypton. And then uh, Clark says, like, Krypton had his chance. And that's when you see everything getting destroyed. You destroy Krypton! Yes. I love how Michael Shannon is just having a blast with yes. this role. Like, he's just... He's so hammy, but he's amazing at like he brings nuance to the ham you know like he <laughs> he's just so fucking good we're all <laughs> and also the last battle of the movie but Raul... also before you start the battle you see uh clark saving lois and you see also team that escape how perry was uh running from all of the buildings like uh falling down and i'm like that was pretty Prometheus because, like, they're oh, running yeah. exactly as you see and one he, of the, <laughs> the buildings um, falling. Another character, uh, Jenny, who yeah. is supposed to be like a Jimmy Olsen, and another one mm-hmm. of the um, reporters, Steve Lombard, who's played by Michael Kelly, who is also mm-hmm. in Dawn of the Dead. He was Dawn the, of the Dead. Yep. Yeah. The asshole with the mustache. Yeah, the CJ. With the yeah, CJ, the yeah. total badass character. You've definitely seen Michael Kelly before as well, like in Chronicle, mm-hmm. House of Cards, stuff like that. And, and they, also they the way that you her, see... Or they're trying to save her, mm-hmm. and it shows that everybody it... is capable of being a hero. Saving. Saving people. Yeah. You know, it's, we all have the capability of goodness. The potential of Superman. And also, it's technically, I know that a lot of people say the 9-11 like, allegory, especially in that scene, the way that you see her trapped between all of the rubble and Perry calming her down, but at the same time, they're, they're saving her. But also, when you see uh, Lois uh, kissing Clark, and Lois was like, uh, they say that it's all downhill after the first kiss. And uh, Clark was like, maybe that only applies to humans. And I'm like, player. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Nobody says that. Absolutely <laughs> nobody says it all goes downhill after the first kiss. Like even in the universe, I was just But like, they do in the DC that? universe. Mm-hmm. Maybe a plus one in the DC universe, Maybe. Billy. Maybe. As Kevin Kaufner would say. <laughs> but yes, then we see just all this ash and dust and Zod just has this uh clump of dust in his hand and he just goes, Look at this could have rebuilt Krypton. He goes, I exist to protect Krypton. That is my purpose. My soul. That is what you have taken from me. And then they have the enormous Dragon Ball Z battle. And it's Dragon Ball Z because Gwen told me that Zack Snyder admitted this and that he's a fan. And this is where Mm -hmm. people have a problem with all the destruction. To which it's like, oh, Superman would never do this. I'm thinking to myself, yeah, when he has all the experience in the world. But this is literally like, what, day one? So, mm-hmm. of course, he would make mistakes. It's it's the process of learning from those mistakes. Unfortunately for him, those mistakes happen to be thousands of people dying. Which 
Yeah, and also he does try to get Zod off of the planet. Yes, he does. They do fly into space and um, into a Wayne Tech sat- or Wayne Enterprises satellite. There's a uh, Easter egg there. There's also another uh, LexCorp truck that gets blown up. Yep. And and a booster gold. Reference. Yes, it's when Zod's climbing up the building like a dog, like a like a bulldog, and then boom. <laughs> At one point, Zod sheds his armor, and uh, there, there's a like some like two hundred something days accident free, and then Clark hits it, and then it goes to zero. That little detail. And he goes, "I've been yeah, God, I've just... been bred to do this. Trained my whole life. Where did you train? On a farm. On a farm. He his armor, <laughs> and now he's in his underwear." <laughs> And again, they are flying in the air, buildings just collapsing. One of them is apparently the Wayne Enterprises building. Zach loves men in their underwear. Yeah, first 300, and then... uh, Well, heck, yeah, even Watchmen. So then they end up crashing into a train station, and it's like Grand Central Station. And there's this one family that just gets backed into a corner... And he goes, if you love these people, you can morph them. And he's going to laser them with his heat vision. And Clark's giving him every chance. It's just like, don't do this. Don't. Stop. And he just goes, never. So the last big controversial thing, he snaps Zad's, uh, Zod's neck and he kills him. So I'm going to admit this. Raul? The first time I saw this movie, I hated this. I thought to myself, what the hell? Zod dies. Not only that, he gets brutal. You brutally see him, like the snap is boom. You can hear it, and it's it's brutal. Mm-hmm. You see his, his snapped neck and body just like lying there. And mm-hmm. I was just like, yes, I had the same thing. Superman would never do that. But then I thought about it, and I thought, well, there's no prison on earth that can say like hold him and he didn't really he gave him all the chances that he could so and also yeah there is comic book precedent john burns run on superman superman kills general zod yeah isn't that like through kryptonite poisoning i believe so yes it was it was even worse in that run because it was it was gradual but yes, Raul, what did you think about Superman snapping Zod's neck? Um, uh, as you both know me, when there's a controversial thing in a movie or something that subverts my expectations or something highly violent, my grade for the movie goes up. <laughs> and so when I was seeing the movie the first time, I'm like, damn. I was like, this movie went from a seven to a nine. Just because of that moment, number one. Number <laughs> two, I understand it the same way that Believe in said it because there was no way of stopping Sad. You can understand that he was on the brink of the moment and Superman, because this is his first time being a being like this, he noticed that what was the only way, especially because if you think about it, they just send all of the Sad people in the ship to the, to the black hole 
to the black hole, like to the phantom zone. So he technically he already he couldn't put that on the phantom zone, like in the super in like the Superman Donner movies. So he had no choice. So I can understand why he did it. And it's controversial. But for me, uh, it didn't bother me that much. Especially also because I also grew up watching Superman in the movies and some of the Justice League cartoons. And I did saw the 70s Justice League Super Friends. That was my first thing that I saw with <laughs> Superman too. And so I understand that moment. It didn't bother me at all. I really like the moment because you, I can understand he, the point of view in that moment. And also, symbolically, Superman literally becomes the last son of Krypton in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's just, just like he solidifies it right there by killing Zod. He becomes the last son of Krypton, and it's just. Mm-hmm. Come on, you just come on. It's so good. Just why? Yeah, he, he mm-hmm. doesn't. Why do people it. hate it? I mean, I understand why people hate it so much, but you know, like just for me, like it really works for me. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's like it's a different interpretation. It's like um um like uh for a moment, like for example, like my my like my mother with the Star Trek movies with J.J. Abrams. She oh. there were some choices that she didn't like. Because she grew up watching the Star Trek show, like the original. But I'm yeah. like, but I think it's because man, you have to think about it because it's an alternate, it's an it's a different take of the characters. Also, it's an alternate universe. So you also have to think about it. This is an alternate take of a character that you know so much. Talking about controversies, I will bring it up. Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi. I fucking love that take of Luke Skywalker. It made me care about Luke Skywalker. When I was a kid, I cared more about Darth Vader and Obi-Wan over Luke Skywalker. So it's different for every people, but for me, I like that decision. Yeah, it's a good decision, I think. Mm -hmm. And in a way, Zod actually wins because he got uh, Kal-El to kill him and he's he even says in the fight mm-hmm. there's only one way this is going to end either you die or i do and mm-hmm. he superman doesn't kill like he will do what he has to but he doesn't do it without immense guilt and regret mm-hmm. which they touch a little mm-hmm. bit of that in the, in the sequel but yeah yeah i mean even like doomsday basically being like he literally him killing Zod, Zod coming back to haunt him as a monster. Yeah, and that also brings up because there's another thing that I like about this Superman arc, and we're gonna see it at the end of the Snyder Cut. I like superheroes that they're like complex, that they're not that pure, and that's a thing that I like about this Superman because he's not a holy man that he will never make a sin or make a mistake. And mm-hmm. that's a thing that I like also. Yeah, Superman makes mistakes. He doesn't do them often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yes, he is often he, he's very pure. And that that's a reason why people don't usually connect with Superman. But I like in this that they gave him he does have human flaws. You know, he messes mm-hmm. up yeah. and everything. And Lois is somehow there to comfort him. That's actually that's also bullshit that she managed to go from that side of the city to the train station in as record time as she did, but I didn't care. We don't love that rabble. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't care about that. 
then <laughs> I I mean I I don't really care about that stuff so much. It <laughs> it, it works thematically. It's mm-hmm. fine with me. <laughs> yeah. So a little bit later, this is when uh, Superman takes down a drone because the military is trying to follow mm-hmm. him and trying to find his identity, and he's just like, "You're not going to do it." Mm-hmm. Yeah, something that we learn in the series, Superman is really against drones. Yeah, he really does mm-hmm. hate drones. And they're like, okay, so um, how am I going to convince Washington not to follow you? Because he, he goes, uh, you know, I'm on your guy's side. You know this. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, how, how are we supposed to convey that? And he just goes, I guess I'm just going to have to trust you. And he flies off. And then one of the few laughs in this movie is um, um, the other, the military captain named uh, Carrie Ferris, who if you know Green Lantern, you know who Carol Ferris is. Um, mm-hmm. Wait, is that Blake Lively? Yes, in the in the Green Lantern movie. Um, ah, they didn't do that. Cool. Hal Jordan, uh, the second Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Swanwick is just like, what are you smiling about? And she just goes, I just think he's kind of hot. Which, you know, I mean, <laughs> to be fair, she's not wrong. Yeah. The no. fact that Lois Lane didn't make out with Superman sooner in front of all those people took a lot of restraint on her part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, 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 like, I'm, I'm a lesbian name and I will admit that Henry Cavill is a very attractive man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then we're, we're almost at the end, guys. Um, we learn that um, mm-hmm. Clark returns to Smallville and he tells his mom, who is at um, Pa Kent's grave, she just goes, he'd be proud of you. you know? mm-hmm. And she goes, so have you given any thought about what you're going to do next? And he's like, I have. And I'm going to get a job that helps me know where things are so I can keep my ear to the ground. And we see him getting ready to start work at the Daily Planet. He's wearing plaid, which is a material that helps conceal um, the, the costume designer, Michael Wilkinson, um, explained that it helps con- it helps you conceal your physique, but it's also a throwback to growing up in a farm, Kansas, because typically mm-hmm. people wear plaid. Um, he's got the glasses, he's got the tie, everything, uh, the tweed jacket, and yeah, they're, he's about to start work uh, at the Daily Planet as a reporter. Nobody notices except for Lois because she knows um, who he is. She can see through a pair of glasses, which is a common criticism of Superman. Like, she's a Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter, but she can't see through a pair of fucking glasses. It makes her an idiot. I loved mm-hmm. in this movie that she knew she knew who he was. I was so, so grateful that they didn't do the memory wipe kiss from Superman 2 or anything like that. Oh, thank And I get why in other media he has a secret identity with Lois Lane. It helps keep that dynamic. But she yeah, just, but it, um, I really like how they changed it here. Yeah, and she just ends the movie with um, Lois Lane, welcome to the planet. 
and they have the great yeah. banter and it's like yeah, this is and Superman it's just like and happy to be here lois <laughs> it's superman and lois but now on the cw <laughs> and he just has a big smile and then it ends two hours 15 minutes this is our longest episode yet and i am so so happy this is probably going to be the length of man of steel so thank you to everybody that has tuned in just final thoughts before we give our ranking and then we can do the plugs so i'm gonna give it up for gwen first okay well um not the best with rankings but i'll go ahead and try and give my summary of my thoughts on the movie i think that it is a really brilliant film with again not subtle symbolism at all um but you know it, it's still really good like it, i i really like how he implements the symbolism into the movie it's not subtle but it it works very well um it's probably one of the few times where i'll say that david f Goyer's script is fucking amazing um yes it is kind of a dig at david s Goyer, but you know <laughs> um but uh i i love the casting all the way through amazing casting um costume designed by michael wilkinson is just on another realm of existence, uh, production design, phenomenal. Um, I've already gotten into how all that stuff works, but you know, and, and, and the action too, holy shit. It's, it's probably the most from frenetic action that Snyder's ever made because, uh, before that, like with 300 and Watchmen and stuff, um, it, it was very, you know, slow-mo, um, capture in the moment type of action. Whereas this time it's, very frenetic very speedy like you don't really like you'd have to go frame by frame to get even the smallest of details to understand like how the action works because it's just like zooming through and just crashing into buildings and sonic booms and it's it's really phenomenal stuff but like at the end of the day um i think it's a really good exploration of clark's character and of Kryptonian culture and how that all ties into what it means to be Superman. Um, I would say, fuck it, probably a 9.5 out of 10. And you, Raul? Um, like, um, like I said, the first time I saw this movie, the only thing that I didn't like was uh, Henry Cavill representing Superman. But then as I saw it a second time in theaters, and then when I saw it again before seeing PBS, and it, it made me like the way the decision of him as Superman, it made me like him more. And then noticing all of those things about the character. And, and like I said, I stand, I, the action is beautiful. The music is great. The direction, the, I, I really, really like, like this movie a lot. Like, um, I will give it a nine too. And also like a, it's a little difficult because I think that we, me and Billy discussed like which one is the better movie for me because I like Watchmen a little more because the iconography of so many shots that Watchmen did Snyder compared to Man of Steel. But that's the thing. Man of Steel is a more accessible movie compared to Watchmen because Watchmen is so oh, yeah. damn complicated. <laughs> Yeah, Watchmen is very dense. It is Super. not for everyone. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, like um, this movie is great. And you be? Oh, you already said it technically. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> I, I have sung this movie's praises enough. I will continue to sing it for the rest of my life. Uh, on a personal note, it helped me. Um, it was a comfort movie whenever I was going through very dark thoughts mm -hmm. and uh, depression. And, you know, I've watched it so many times. I, I can never stop finding new things. And I'm just so appreciative of Mr. Snyder and just all all the crew, the cast, mm -hmm. everybody to make this awesome work of art. And I know a lot of people don't like it. That's okay. Yeah, yeah it's fine. But for me, it um, it made me really, really think about the medium of film, how you mm -hmm. could do it with a character that I hold very dear. And I'm gonna give it. I'm also gonna give it a nine. Just in my heart, mm. it's a ten. But as a movie, I'm gonna say a nine. And yeah at this point just i've said there's so much we could say we could spend another two hours probably talking about this movie and not oh, mm -hmm. oh endless yes. but basically it's the movie that all but guaranteed that i will be a Zack snyder fan for the rest of my life and you know if you don't like it same here that's, that's great okay. uh, but I'm I'm really if I could somehow ever get to talk to Zack Snyder and just tell him thank you, that would be that'd be the coolest thing. And yeah. Um you can find me on Twitter at bbusterbill. All the B's are capitalized. You can find me on Instagram at Billy Batson's Lightning. Nothing is capitalized. And you can also check out our uh podcast Twitter at SYNS Pod and Gwen, I believe that you have a YouTube channel and yes, videos about I Mr. Have... Snyder. Uh, can you tell us about that real quick? Okay, mm -hmm. yes. Um, well, first off, my Twitter handle is at Gwen Loves Movies. Um, I don't have an Instagram or anything like that, but I do have a YouTube channel. It just is under my full name, as I said, Gwendolyn J. Stone. And I am working on a video essay series called the people versus Snyder. And I have part one on there. Now I am currently um, writing and editing part two. Um, and it's basically getting into just the drama behind Zack Snyder as a filmmaker, the criticisms mm -hmm. of his work. And the first part is getting into um, how a certain group of people talk about his movies being fascist. I'm just going to leave it right there because I kind of <laughs> want you to go into the video because it's, it's, I, I, it's a pretty good video if I'm allowed to toot my own horn there. Um, but yeah, that's really all I have to say. Go watch it and be mm -hmm. excited for more. And I would totally add that that video is amazing. Now, the editing and the way that you narrated it, especially with the data, it was really cool. Especially, it's gonna. Be, I'm so hyped of watching Rise of the Guardians again. I recently bought it like four months ago, and I'm super hyped of watching it again with that Legends context. Legends of the Guardians? Yes. Sorry, Legend of the Guardians. Sorry, the, the Owl movie. Yeah, yes. it's That was like the perfect, you know, 
um, movie to finalize my thesis on, I think. Hmm. So, you know, and it's a movie that nobody talks about. You know, yeah, because not a lot of people saw it. Yeah. Nobody talks about that movie that Zack Snyder made. Uh, I mean, more people even talk about Sucker Punch. So, you know. <laughs> That's the only Zack Snyder movie I haven't seen. Sucker Punch is the one only left that I have never seen. But as me, as always, you can find me at RaulVadarDC on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Stardust and Letterboxd on RaulVadarDC. And also, like Billy said, you can follow the podcast on SYNSPod on Twitter. And send us a re, uh, voice review, a request, whatever you like. Also, for that person that gave the one-star review, we're still trying to find you. And also, please you. don't do a one-star for this episode. We want to know who you are. Please. Please. <laughs> we are desperate. <laughs> really curious. And it was me. No. <gasps> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, see you next summer. Dun 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 dun